and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host, Matt Solomon, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Andy Edges. So Andy is the co-founder and sports director of Rezzle, a virtual reality company, and he's got over 20 years experience in sport technology and data, including working with Premier League teams Adidas in the NBA and the EFL. So who better today to discuss how virtual reality technology can take performance to the next level? And without further ado, it's time to welcome Andy onto the show. So Andy, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. Um, and we're going to discuss some virtual reality and uh, exactly how that can impact on performance. But before we do, can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Yeah, no problem. Um, thanks for having me again. Um, my name is Andy Etchins and I am one of the founders of Rezzle. I'm also the sports director. Um, we've been around for about five years now, um, working with a bunch of different teams, um, across football and now into other sports as well. And Rezzle is then a virtual reality software. How does that work um, in terms of putting it on your head? Where do, where do you go from, from <laughs> me, me who's, uh, uh, let's say, I'm not technophobic necessarily, but I don't have a, a VR headset. Where do I go from walking into a shop to being able to, to practice football on the VR goggles? So you can pretty much do, you know, um, you can pretty much get started within a few minutes of um, purchasing the headset. Let's say you purchase an Oculus Quest. Um, the Oculus Quest is basically a cheap device with a screen in it and a processor that can fool your eyes into thinking that you're in a virtual, well, you're in a real world environment. Um, you put it on your head and you'll basically see in, in 3D um a world around you that you can interact with um we've got a game on the oculus quest which is really cheap it's like 10 pounds um that will train you how to head a ball will help you with the reaction times will help you with fitness will help you with loads of different things um and it's literally put it on and play um the great thing about virtual reality is because it's kind of a slice of reality you don't generally have to learn how to use it you can just put it on and play because you're going to be Head in the ball in the real world is pretty much the same as head in the ball in a virtual world. The only difference is you don't feel it. Um, and that's obviously a benefit these days with all the concussion and dementia conversations that are going on. Um, at the top end of the game, you know, obviously that's the start. At the top end of the game, we've got a heavy duty system which uses a big PC. Um, it uses a, a headset that's usually wired um, and it uses some trackers on your feet. And again, all you do is you pull that on, um, someone will press a button, and then you'll be transported into a stadium um, and a situation that you've got to deal with, and you will deal with it like you would do in the real world. You have to control the ball, pass the ball. Um, you know, you can chip it and touch it however you would do it in the real world, but it's all virtual, and it's it's, it's ridiculous, to be quite frank. It's, it's mad that you can do it. Most people don't believe that it's possible but it really is. Um, I think the only, probably the easiest way to get it is watch the film Ready Player One. And that is essentially what we do in sport. I think uh, that's an excellent little tip bit of advice for anyone who wants to, to see exactly what it is. And um, we'll try and put that one in the show notes as well. Um, but mm. before we go into the depths of how uh, professional clubs can use this and um, how potentially amateur athletes can use this to improve their performance as well, I wanted to have a quick look at how that's developed over the last couple of years, because 
Um, I remember when I played not at the highest level of football, uh, that kind of stuff was um, not even close to the forefront of my memory. Um, not even, not even something that I would have considered. I remember sitting on eBay googling hypnosis tapes to make myself better, which I didn't buy, but not. VR, like that's the, such a step yep. away from from when I was um, a young wannabe athlete. So, how has that developed in the last years? So, I think the sentiment's the same. You know, you googling um, stuff for hypnosis and and everything like that is the same kind of problem we're trying to solve. Most likely, you you're looking at those kind of solutions to help deal with your decision making, calm your nerves, help you deal with stress. Um, you know, help just cognitive function, which is a really difficult thing to train. Um, you know, obviously training at the gym, um, training uh, your cardiovascular system, they're fairly well established and they're fairly well documented. And, and you know, it's, it's something that if you're playing football at a high level, you're probably going to be, you'll have that under control. Um, but being able to deal with, you know, the first minute of your debut, um, in front of a loud crowd and make a decision under pressure is something that's really difficult to rehearse for and get ready for and prepare for. But virtual reality enables you to to kind of do that in, in a controlled environment, in a believable environment, and in an unpredictable environment, you know, like a chaotic um, approach to to practice is is really important with, with when you're trying to kind of measure stress and and um you know the the cognitive function of a player um it's also really difficult to record that kind of thing you know if you are a coach stood at the side of the pitch um 20 meters away from a player whilst they're under pressure obviously you can get a good idea of what they're going what they're doing and how they're reacting to the situation that they're put in but you know what's the difference between you know fractional difference between player a and player b it's really difficult to tell um and um, you know what's going on at that moment in time but with a system like ours we can tell you you know how much of the pitch they're seeing um is that giving them more time on the ball or more perceived time on the ball does that give them more comfort does it help them make a better decision how many touches are they taking um you know what's their actual time in seconds that they're spending on the ball as they receive find the target deliver the target ball back to the target all these kind of things. And then also what happens if we put them under a massive amount of pressure? You know, what happens if we all of a sudden throw in some kind of unpredictability or something that they didn't expect? Um, we can do all that pretty easily in VR. It's very hard to do in the real world. So that's why there's massive benefits and why it's come on so much over the, over the last few years. Like we've been going for five years now. Um, when we started, you know, we had a pretty clever system um, but it was, you know, VR was an emerging technology, really. Um, most people had only experienced something like Google Cardboard or another, you know, probably less capable VR system. And, you know, that probably might have helped, might have stuttered its development and acceptance in the game. Uh, but the last two years, really, for us, we have we turned that on its head. Um, anybody now who tries our system, will believe it once they're in it you know it's one of those things that you'll never believe it works until you try it i think that's uh yeah a, a great little insight into to where you've been and, and where you've come from and when we look at the the situation now in terms of its use uh what are clubs doing with it because obviously you're you're in professional clubs what are those clubs doing with these devices in order to make their players better 
Um, so it depends on what level of the game you're going in at. Like at the, you know, let, let's say academy level and not, not amateur level, but semi-pro academy level, we'll, we've got a whole range of players at different clubs who are looking for an edge or, you know, a way to stand out. You know, that what's that? one percent of difference you know people talk about ten percent of difference ten percent of difference is huge but one percent of difference makes a real difference you know it can be um the difference between you moving up a, a level um or moving to the next age band um and you know this johan cruyff always has said that the first yards played in the brain and and, and, and phrases like that is, is very true you know the difference is often um is often mental um so we're applied at that kind of academy level to help improve players' cognitive function and help them find that extra little 1% or help them find that difference and give them more chances of success. Um, we also will inform coaches, you know, sometimes that the cognitive pattern or the cognitive um, ability of this player is maybe better suited to a slightly different position or a slightly different role in the game. Uh, so it's, it's quite interesting how it's evolving in that space. And how it's um, becoming more, um, more I guess, more important in the development of players and, and the, the graduation of players to the next level. And then at the top end of the game, you know, like Premier League teams, um, they'll use it for either situation analysis, so recreating moments of the game, looking at what could have been done better, you know, taking a viewpoint of where a player, you know, a player's actual position in real time from the game on Saturday, um, or more often, um, we'll use it in rehabilitation. So um, we've got countless cases of players who've had serious injuries like ACLs and so on, um, who maybe not been able to kick a ball for eight months. You know, it's, it's depressing. Um, it's not a nice thing to be in. Um, you know, if you're a professional footballer and all of a sudden that's it for nine months, you're not going to kick a ball, we can pretty much get you on your feet um, interacting with a football um, six weeks post-surgery, maybe a little sooner in some cases, um, if you're looking at an ACL. Um, and we've done that a lot at different clubs. And we've had some great success. I think Lewis Cook posted something on his um, Instagram when he was using it. We're installed at Leicester City and they use it on a regular basis. We've got kits all over the place now that are in regular use, really helping players kind of stay connected with the game whilst they're injured. And then finally, we've obviously got the at-home use. Um, so players can take the kit home and, and, and do either reaction time training or do um, you know other exercises relevant to their sport because we are moving more and more into different sports. We've just done a deal with the NBA, for example. Um, we're working with an F1 driver really closely at the moment, developing a very specific program for him, which will release to the general public in enough time. Um but yeah, it's, it is pretty strange how the adoption at the top end of the game really has changed in the last even six months. You know, it's, it's really changed and, and acceptance is, is getting there. But, you know, we've, we've worked hard to make that the case. Oh, of course. And I, I can imagine at the top end, there's a, there's a very clear benefit, right? So you get like a, let's say a 1% win for a top elite athlete. Um, everyone wants that 1%. So for those guys and girls, that, that that's a clear and obvious benefit. But when we're going to take that then to, um, let's say, with some some younger athletes, some people who might be on the verge of making it to pro but not quite there, 
how can those type of athletes benefit from from this kind of software i think again there's a percentage gain you know that can be that can be brought into it so like we've got a few different levels of entry points um we've got the oculus quest version um Razzle player 22 which is literally 10 pounds and that is absolute entry level up to um you know to be fair there's a the Premier League goalkeeper uses it um, for for warm up training, just reaction time training, um, and that, you, that if you'd never even headed a ball in your life, there's UEFA Pro coach designed drills in there that will teach you how to head the ball correctly, and then will also um, you know get you moving around a little bit and teach you how to position your feet better for better for better execution of heading the ball, and so on, um, and then in different sports we'll start to look at you know quarterback opportunities and reading the field and making sure that you're seeing what's happening in front of you um, and being able to process it so you know there's dependent on your sport there's something in that that can give you a little bit of an edge over your friends or over your peers um, and make you, you know, make you more likely to succeed but then we have obviously the pro system the resil index and that is the thing that you probably get most benefit from if you're a young football player um, and you're able to have access to this what we, we what we do is we run a test with you it's like um, it takes about 20 minutes it's called Resil Index and at the end of that test it'll identify areas for improvement and it usually might be you know scanning capabilities it might be a little bit of composure it might be time taken on the ball or here, here there and everywhere and then it'll allow you to focus just on that one specific characteristic of your game that you need to work on you know so obviously physiologically or or technically a coach might tell you you need to work on your touch or you need to work on your control or you need to work on your free kicks or something along those lines you know they'll always identify a slice of the game rather than the whole game and we'll do the same but we'll do it mentally so we'll be like okay you've got a blind spot in your vision um you know 50 degrees to your right um we'll fix it and we'll you, you, there'll be a drill that you can do that will actually improve that part of it. Um, or when you put under pressure, when you're receiving a ball under pressure, you panic. So there's a drill where you can put, you can practice that exact thing, and you can go through that scenario over and over and over again until it feels natural and until the real world feels slow and it feels easy to deal with. And that little bit of your game that you improve will will improve everything. Uh, overall because obviously it helps your confidence it'll help your approach to the game help your preparation and so on so yeah we're pretty confident that we can make that big difference in the resil index to using the resil index to to young players especially those who are focused and committed to to kind of moving up to the next level I think that's uh, super interesting, especially when you talk about being able to speed up the game and then make the game feel slow. Um, yes. I can imagine a lot of players when they move up a level, maybe up an age group, maybe uh, up to senior football, for example. Uh, that's that's a big struggle initially when you have to to bridge that gap from, let's say, under 18s to under 21s, where all of a sudden it's quick, it's fast, everyone is strong. And you've got to, you've got to bridge a three year maturity gap there. Um, this kind of tool could potentially increase the speed of thought and therefore increase the, the performance as well. It's that's super interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, I just, I'll just on that. I've got one brilliant example of that. We do it all the time. So we've got what, well, you know, I said before, we can recreate real game situations, put you on the field and see what it is. We, we deal with a lot, you know, a lot of people and, um, 
your average Joey watches something on TV will see Kylian Mbappe running on the field because everyone's running the same speed as him. They don't really see how fast he's going. You don't feel it. And you'd be like, I could have got there or I could have done this or, um, you know, I could have I could have stopped him. And then we'll put you on the field and we'll have him run at you at 37 kilometers an hour. <laughs> and all of a sudden people just, you know, they literally just shit themselves. They're like, oh my God, I didn't realize he was that fast. Um, you know, you don't know what it's like until it faces you. And obviously that is part of the preparation for that we give a lot of the young players who are about to, if you're in a Premier League academy and about to move up to a first team, then we can show you what first team speed is like. And it is mad how fast it is. Um, you know, the, even just the ball delivery from a from a corner is is, is ex, extremely fast, and you know, it's being able to prepare for that and see what it's like when you go on the pitch. It's there, or we can we can change it a little bit. We can alter the reality and it make it one hundred and twenty percent. So every player is one hundred and twenty percent of Cristiano Ronaldo. So when you're on the field, everyone else just feels like they're so slow. You know, <laughs> you can feel like I can deal with that guy, no problem, because you're ready for it. Mate, that's, so, uh, yeah. that's super interesting. And I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's clear that there's a lot of, a lot of value to be had there. Um, but yeah. when, when you're, you're talking to, for example, coaches or staff members, I can imagine a lot of them would, would look at VR and just be like, nah, we don't need that. Or, um, yeah. like an old school anti technology, um, I don't want to say dinosaur, but older human being who might say, you know what, like, just, just leave it. Like, we don't need all of these, um, gadgets and gizmos. What, what would you say to coaches like that to, to try and convince them this is something which is worthwhile? I mean, that is something we've faced for the last five years. We've, there's always a little bit of skepticism about the hardware and everything because you do look like a bit of a burk doing it. You know, if you, so you're watching someone, you look a bit daft. Yeah. However, you know, we put it on a coach and a coach will see the benefit straight away. Um, you know, we, we instantly change people's minds. It is one of those things where you go from black to white overnight um, or not overnight, obviously instantly there and there and then. Um, it is literally um, an immediate change of mind, um, polar opposite um, from from how they were. So we've never really, we've never really walked away from somewhere where there's been a continuation of that perception um, when we've left. You know, people change their minds right there, right then. Um, so it's it's pretty good in that respect. The hardest thing though is getting through the door. Um, we we will often face up that um, that kind of negative perception before we before we go. You know, we have to fight that before we get there. But once we're through the door, instantly you put it on, and all of a sudden you you understand it because it's it's the real world, but it's just a virtual version of it. It's it's very strange. And in terms of like graphics, for example, because I, I imagine at least, and I'm fortunate I've, I've been to one or two, uh, like it's difficult to describe, like a, a gaming warehouse or whatever, where you put these things on and you can see it and you're like, I believe a hundred percent that I'm, I'm in this situation. Um, I've not done it with football, but just like games, for example. But how does the graphics influence that? Because it needs to obviously be good, right? Like if, if you tell me yeah. this is, um, Kylian Mbappe running at me and I'm looking at, uh, a, a version of, uh, of a footballer from FIFA 2001, then yeah, the guy looks like a chip or whatever. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's a different world. So are the graphics fast enough? Is it, is it good enough to, to be believable? So we don't do player likeness anymore. We used to try it. We started like it. We went down a path with that. But what we found was the players themselves would be like, that's not me. I don't have a tattoo there. I don't have hair like that. 
or something like that and they focus on the things that aren't important um in a coaching scenario at the end of the day this is a coaching and training tool so you know we want them to learn about movement and shape and positioning and and cognitive function and so on so the the appearance doesn't really matter now that's not to say that it doesn't look good what we have instead because we we identified that as an issue is we, we use drone players basically so every player is gray um and it's just like a gray robot player and they look um they look pretty cool and and they also have the same height and build as the real player would have in the real world and they'll move at the same speed and they'll move naturally and everything that's the things that's important um, we also went through some research with a big sports brand, which looked at, um, you know, how how real does it have to be to have an effect? And the answer is not very. But um, luckily, you know, we we make very real looking things. <laughs> and, like the stadiums themselves look amazing. Um, like the the touch and feel. That's the part that is important. You know, like the the ball feels like it's there it's really strange there's no ball at your feet but you'll feel it you'll be able to control it like you would do with a real one um it's it's a really odd experience and we focus in on what's important rather than you know the just the um just the aesthetic but to be honest with you the aesthetic everyone loves it <laughs> it's just one of those things it's cool um it really works uh it's uh this yeah su- superb to hear that it it isn't necessarily exactly like a situation, but that's not necessary to actually get the, the translation as well, because I can imagine yeah. uh, also with rights of players, sometimes they can be like, oh, you can't use my face exactly. or whatever. Like this, this can be a big pain. But um, when yeah. it comes to... And you think like FIFA as well, like when you when you see FIFA 2022, yeah. you're in the stand, the camera's in the stand, it's not where the players are. So that the pixel density or the, the, the player's face, probably about eight pixels or something like that. Now, if you put you on the field right next to what that player looks like, it might look good from 30 metres away, but if you stand you right next to them, they're going to look terrible. <laughs> the computing power required to actually put you on the field next to someone who looks real in a VR environment would put the cost of this way out of people's reach, and, and that's not something we want to do. We want to it just use as a PC that you can buy in PC World and a, and a headset. Otherwise, you know, you'd need... I don't know, a supercomputer to run it. <laughs> yeah. And in, in terms of in the future, what, what does the future look like? How, how is that going to change as virtual reality uh, adjusts to, to new technologies? What, what does that look like for you guys? I think lighter, smaller headsets um, is, is probably, um, you know, number one on that list is coming. We know it is. Um, the intersection of virtual reality and mixed reality. So being able to overlay virtual objects into a virtual, into the real world. So, you know, let's imagine a scenario where you are on a training pitch, um, but that training pitch, where you click of a button, all of a sudden has a stand around it and 22, 21 other players around you and a crowd, but you're actually outside and you're interacting with a real ball. Um, then you've got that on your headset. That's a very realistic possibility in the next year or so. Um, there's just an, an insane amount of capabilities that have been, that are coming. You know, everyone sees how fast technology moves. You know, this is, this is something that's only going to get better. It's not going to get worse. Um, you know, it's only going to get more easy to, to live with and more easy to integrate into, into your routines and so on. Um, the technology itself is, is one of those things of like, it's, it's time to get on board. Um, if you're not already, because it's, it's coming and it's just going to overwhelm eventually. 
And in terms of uh, stuff like sport broadcasting, how does that look? Because um, obviously we, we focused a lot on how to improve uh, players and athletes, which is great. But what about people sat at home who are watching uh, sport on TV? Um, what are the implications for those people who maybe don't have any athletic aspirations but would quite like to, to sit there and watch football or another sport whilst they have uh, yeah front row seats? Yeah, I mean, that is coming straight away again. Um, you'll be able to take a seat in the stadium and, and watch the game as if you were there. You know, that's there. Or maybe just create a miniature version of it on a table in front of you like Sabutio um, that's not really there. So, you know, just as if you're a giant above the stadium, you can see the whole game play out in front of you. And then if you want to take a closer look, click a button, it'll drop you on the field and the whole game will unfold around you. It's like Those you, kind of Newcastle away, but... Real. It's like, yes, like exactly. stand there yeah. where you're just up in the sky Without and you can't see steps. anything. <laughs> yeah, but, um, exactly that, yeah. Uh, no, that's, that's really interesting. And then when, when, when you look at uh, being in a stadium, that's one thing. Do you think there's a possibility that, uh, that we'll be able to just run through the game with the players? That, that I'll be sat on my sofa, stood next to Cristiano Ronaldo as he's banging in a screamer, for example? Yeah, definitely. Or let's say one thing, this is, we're doing this. So, you know, a bit of a reveal. Um, let's say you sat on the sofa and um, he's a big mess on, on, on the game that you're watching right there and then. Um, and you, your mate next to you is like, oh, I could have scored that. We'll go, all right then, put this headset on. <laughs> let's see if you can. And we'll literally, you'll be able, five minutes after that's happened, you'll be able to take part in that and see if you can get on the end of that cross that came across at 80 miles an hour, see if you can head it in. Um, you know that's that's a realistic scenario that will happen in the next year. Um, you know that you'll be able to participate in a game, you know, in that kind of way, and that is just insane. It's the level of kind of interaction with fans that's just not been possible, you know, ever. Um, partly because hardware wasn't good enough, and partly because the companies that are, that are capable of doing it weren't weren't there. And you know, now we're here. Um, it's a very real possibility. I think that's uh, that's awesome, and the application to other sports as well is uh, is yeah fantastic. I mean, imagine being at the Olympics and, and trying to chase down Usain Bolt, for example. Um, yeah. to, when when it looks so easy in in ten seconds, you're like, oh yeah, I, I could chase after them. It's it's all they all look the same speed, right? But when you stood there next to them, yeah. you're like, oh, that's like a car. <laughs> I can't run yeah. that fast. <laughs> or if we drop you in a real F1 race, we wheel some out to imagery. I mean again it's all, all very all very possible definitely awesome mate I think uh, that's uh, that's enough to, to wet our whistle for today but um, I really appreciate your time and effort on the podcast it was uh, it was super enlightening to, to see what's currently possible and what's going to happen uh, so Andy I really appreciate your time and uh, thank you for much coming no problem thank you for having me I really appreciate it cheers buddy bye cheers thanks bye and that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to Andy for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it, and I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of our Coach Academy. Now, the Coach Academy is a series of lectures broken down into bite-sized chunks. So if you're into sport technology and you want to take your knowledge up a gear, all you have to do is check out the link in the show notes in just a few seconds' time, which will give you seven days completely for free. And if you've enjoyed today's podcast, I would really appreciate it if you could give it a like and a share on social media. And of course, share it with any coach, athlete or colleague who you think could use this great information. That means that we can keep bringing you the best possible guests and of course, the best possible content. 
And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me and Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week. <laughs>